standing here at the grave of a little girl who died at the age of seven in 1883. Do you have any idea what will happen to you when you die? Many people believe that death ends existence, that when you die, you just simply cease to exist. Christians believe there is life after death, but what kind? Some believe in soul sleep, that you just lie comatose in a grave until the Lord returns. Others believe that when they die, their spirit will be ushered in the presence of God by His angels. And speaking of angels, some Christians believe they will become angels after death. Others argue that we will be disembodied spirits floating around on clouds playing harps. And some believe we will have tangible bodies just like we have now, and that we will live eternally in the presence of God on a new earth. For a discussion of what the Bible has to say about all these issues, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to another broadcast of Christ in Prophecy. It's good to be back with you this week. Thanks for tuning in. And it's good to have in the studio with me this week my two colleagues, Dennis Pollock and Nathan Jones. Dennis was on our staff here at Lamb and Lion Ministries for 12 years, as I explained last week, and then felt called of God to form his own ministry called Spirit of Grace. Later in this program, we'll tell you specifically how to get in touch with that ministry. Nathan is our newest staff member. He is our web minister that you would talk to if you go to our website. Fellas, I want to jump right into this topic because there's a lot of material we need to cover. And I want to start with a verse in Hebrews 2, verse 15, where it says that most people live in lifelong slavery to the fear of death and that Jesus came to deliver us from that fear. Dennis, I know you've given a lot of thought to this point. Share with us some dramatic examples you found of the fear of death. Okay, well, I must be a little bit strange because I do like to collect uh, quotes and things that I read about <laughs> celebrities that uh, have died or expressed thoughts about death. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Alfred Hitchcock fan. I, oh, I shouldn't I admit too. that, yeah, but I, I am, you know, some I of his, now the ones he made in the 70s weren't much good, but the 40s and the 50s were great. And uh, but w this is an Alfred Hitchcock commercial, anyway. Uh, but it's interesting that he was the master of death to a previous generation. Uh, he his movies all involved or nearly all involved a murder. And, uh, you know, the, he, he just kept you on the edge of your seat with the fear of death or with the idea somebody's about to get killed or, you know, whatever. But the interesting thing was that in real life, as it was his own turn to die, uh, one of the, the actresses that was his, one of his favorite ladies to work with, Ingrid, is a, yeah, Ingrid Bergman, came to his deathbed to, to visit him as he was dying. And... Alfred Hitchcock cried like a baby, just tears running down his face as he told her how fearful he was about dying. Mm -hmm. It was a whole lot easier for him to do it on the silver screen than to do it in person. Uh, Give us another example. Another example. This one is funny. There was a, a comic book creator by the name of Mark Grunewald that wanted to be immortal. And so he decided the best way would be to literally put himself into his work. And the way he did that was he made arrangements that when he died, they would cremate his body, 
They would take the ashes and mix them with ink, and that was turned into comic books. It was used to print comic books. So you may want to check your comic book collection at home and see if... But, you know, that was his attempt to be immortal, was to, to have some of the ink from comic books with his ashes in it. Which what is about Perry Mason? I heard you pathetic. talk about him one time, and tell us about him. Yeah, well, of course, his name was really Raymond Burr. And a great actor. I, I love the Perry Mason uh, shows particularly. Did some movies in his uh, latter life. But uh, as he was dying, he was just uh, determined to live as long as he possibly could, which, you know, I, I suppose is okay. But in his case, uh, he really took it to extremes. As he felt himself dying of cancer, at one point he forced himself to sit up in his bed. He was convinced that if he would lie down, he was going to die. And I guess he wasn't wrong because eventually that was a case even Perry Mason wasn't going to win. He finally, out of exhaustion, mm. lay down. So he sat up for like 48 yeah, hours. something like that, it? close to two, two days. He sat up in bed trying to will himself to stay alive, but he couldn't. Someone asked him as he was going through the process of, of having the cancer and so forth, they said, what have you learned about all of this? You know, what life lessons have you learned? He said, well, I've learned that death is messy it's ugly, and it's not the least little bit romantic. So uh, he was right about that. Dennis, it makes me uh, think of Ted Williams, a baseball player, who yeah. had himself cryogenically frozen, and then hoping that medicine someday right. will bring him back. But uh, <laughs> I have a question for you. I can understand why a non-Christian would fear death. They have no hope. Right. But, but what's really sad is that there's Christians who fear death. They, they cling to this world as if it's the last thing. Why do you think that Christians have such a hard time with death? Yeah. I, I think probably the, the biggest reason is carnality, uh, the fact that they don't live close enough to Christ to desire to be with him. You know, when you think about heaven, uh, especially as you look at what Paul had to say about, about going there, the big deal was not, you know, I can't wait until I get to see those golden streets. Or, you know, I am so eager to get to where the pearls, you know, the gates are made of pearl. Now, what he said was, I'm hard-pressed having a desire to be with Christ, which is far better. But he said, you guys need me to remain in the flesh. His great passion was, I want to go be with Jesus. Mm -hmm. But you can't have that passion if he's not a passion in the way you live. If you're living for, you know, and there are, the sad thing is there are Christians, they're saved, they're going to heaven, but they just aren't living close enough to Christ to have that kind of passion. And as a result, they're thinking about plans in the future and, you know, buying a new home or whatever, and well, I, uh, they can't get excited about I being I would with agree Christ. with you about that, but I think there's also another uh, thing that uh, plays here, and that is that the average church never has any preaching about Bible prophecy and the promises that God has made for the yeah. future. And the average Christian knows absolutely nothing about what's going to happen when they die. You know, they, they don't know what, what's, and so they cling to this world because they don't know what's going to, they don't know the promises of the future. That's what I want to get to in the next segment of this program. I want to talk about what are some of the things that are going to happen to us when we die? What can we look forward to at the point of death if we are a professing Christian? But before we get to those, I want us to pause for just a moment. And folks, I want to show you uh, uh, some uh, materials that would help you to better understand death and the promises of God concerning it. Regardless of your age, race, status, or background, this common question has been pondered by almost everyone. What happens when you die? Jesus came to deliver those who live in lifelong slavery to the fear of death. Dr. David Reagan's powerful 50-minute presentation, What Happens When You Die, is filled with sound biblical teaching and vivid illustrations. This challenging and informative message was taped at a Stealing the Mind conference before a maximum capacity crowd and is available for a gift of $15 or more. Call today. 
for one of the most impactful and requested messages that Dr. David Reagan has ever delivered. Okay, Dennis, I want to uh, ask you now about what does happen uh, when we die. But before we get into that, I want to ask you something else. How could people get in touch with your ministry if they wanted to contact you or get on your mailing list or whatever? Tell them how to do that. Well, the simplest thing, if you have the Internet or you have access to it, is to go to our website, and that's uh, www.spiritofgrace.org. Uh, and just uh, it's got a phone number there and it's got uh, an email uh, that uh, a place where you can email us and so forth so anyway spiritofgrace.org is the thing to remember and we'd love to hear from you and if you want to be on our mailing list just send us an email and say hey put me on your mailing list you'll get our monthly newsletter. And let me clarify something I know that you're primarily focused on foreign missions but you are available for uh, speaking here inside the United States aren't you? Yeah I sure am and uh, I do I do teaching on a number of of topics so I'm, I'm kind of a part preacher and part teacher. Okay thanks. All right Dennis Let's get into it now. Okay. What happens when you die? What happens Do you, when you go die? into soul sleep? Do you turn into an angel? Do you turn into an ethereal spirit floating around a cloud playing a harp? I mean, what happens to a Christian? We're going to talk about Christians right now. What okay. happens to a Christian when they die? Well, your question reminds me of uh, Tom Hanks got up at the, the uh, Oscars at one point, uh, the Academy Awards, and he talked about, uh, he had done a movie about homosexuals, and he talked about all those homosexuals that had died of AIDS, and they were now angels in heaven. <laughs> Tom may be a great actor, and he is, but he's not much of a theologian. Mm. So, no. Da Vinci uh, Code. Yeah. Uh, homosexuals aren't going to be angels, but neither will anybody else. So we do not turn into angels, but we do depart and be with Christ. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the implication, that really more than an implication, the, the clear declaration is that we will immediately be in the presence of Christ Peter talked about his own upcoming death in one of his epistles, and he said, I must shortly take off my tabernacle or my tent. And so the idea is that uh, this body that we wear is is literally uh, just a shell. It is not the real us at all. When we die, the, the, the genuine person, the spirit being, goes immediately to be with Christ, and that's why Paul said, it's far better to, to go and be with Christ and to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. But so much of Christendom believes in soul sleep. And right. I guess they get this from the fact that the Bible metaphorically refers to death quite often as sleep. And I suppose that really is based upon the fact that the body will one day be resurrected. The spirit goes to be with the, yeah. the body, in effect, metaphorically sleeps because one day it is going to be resurrected and put back together. Mm. Yeah, some people, when they read about the resurrection, they infer that means that we just cease to exist yes. for a while and then Christ is going to bring us back up. But it's not that we cease to exist, it is that our spirit is separated from our body. So that when the uh, rapture occurs and the, the resurrection occurs, the spirit then rejoins the body because God has intended all along that we would live in eternity as a physical as well as a spiritual being. A lot of people don't uh, really get that and they just assume we're going to be just spirits that float around on clouds and play harps. So we have a physical body now and then when we die we have a sort of what theologians often refer to as an intermediate spirit body. We'll always have a body right. of some type. And that intermediate spirit body we know exists because we can read in the Bible about uh, Elijah and Moses appearing at the Transfiguration, uh, Samuel appearing to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, Saul when he went to the Witch of Endor. These people had some sort of intermediate spirit body. And, and even in Revelation uh, 7, it says that the tribulation martyrs coming out are standing before the throne of God, worshiping God. They have white robes on. They have some sort of body yeah. uh, during that time. So we're never bodiless. We're never unconscious. 
uh, we have consciousness. In fact, Jesus told a story about the rich man and, and uh, Lazarus, and uh, they died, and one went to paradise, and the other went to torments, and they both had bodies. They could see each other. They could talk to each other. They were fully conscious. They weren't in soul sleep. Exactly. So, uh, and I think Paul makes it uh, clear of all when he says, you know, I, I, I want to stay here and work with the Lord. I'd like to do that. But I'll, I, I really want to be with the Lord. Yeah. But I'll work as long as the Lord wants me to, but I really want to be with the Lord. It was no <laughs> idea he was going to lie in a coffin, you know, for yeah. millions of years. But he was going to, right. the moment he died, he was going to be ushered in the presence of the Lord uh, and, and live in his presence uh, in consciousness. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's not a very hard thing to discern. If you read the scriptures much at all, especially the New Testament, you can see that pretty clearly. I think the people that are confused are basically people that don't read the Bible too okay. much. So we have a fleshly body now. We get an intermediate spirit body when right. we die and we're with the Lord. But one day we're going to get a glorified body. Now, when in the world, Nathan, when do we get a glorified body? Well, the glorified bodies come. First uh, Corinthians 15 is great for that. Yeah. When Jesus comes back at the, the last trumpet and the shout, when we're raptured, that's when we get the glorified bodies. Okay, so the glorified body occurs at the time of the rapture. In fact, in First Thessalonians 4, it says that when he comes, he's going to bring with him the spirits of the dead. Their bodies will be resurrected, their spirits put back together, and uh, glorified. Mm -hmm. And for those of us who are alive, we will just be translated up to meet Him. We won't even experience death. And on the way up, we'll be translated from mortal to immortal. Now, that's for the uh, church-age saints who are alive at the time that Jesus comes. But the Bible also indicates that glorified bodies are going to be received by other people at a different time. At the end of the tribulation, for example, mm -hmm. you're going to have the Old Testament saints resurrected, and you're going to have the tribulation martyrs resurrected, and both of those groups will be receiving their glorified bodies at that time. All of which brings me to an important point. What in the world is a glorified body? I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to get your fingers on. What, what is a glorified body? Uh, who wants to jump in first? Well, the best, the best way to understand it is to look at Jesus after the resurrection. The Bible calls him the first fruits of the resurrection. So Jesus was, I like to call him the premier showing. You know, when the Hollywood has a premiere, they invite all the big shows. They never invite me for some reason. I, I haven't figured out why I'm not getting uh, those invitations. You're just such a nerdy guy, you know, or something. I don't know. But uh, they have a premiere showing. It's the very first chance you get to see the new movie. And Jesus was the premier showing of the glorified body. The disciples, when they saw him, were in such a state of shock because, you know, this guy's supposed to be dead that uh, their mouths are open, they're, they're trembling, they're scared. Jesus says, hey, uh, don't be afraid, it's me. He said, touch me. And, and this, is, this is amazing. Touch me. He said, and see, a spirit does not have flesh and bones like you see I have. So he wanted them to feel, I'm not a ghost, I'm not a spirit, I have a body, I have bones. And even to make the point further, he says, you guys have any food around here? Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's not like he had a sudden hunger pain. I doubt, you know, but I think he wanted to prove I am so real. Yes, I can eat, which encourages me, brother. We're probably going to get to have some nice meals up in heaven as well. You know, and not have to worry that. about gaining weight. That's yeah. right. <laughs> well, I think that's a good point. And Philippians 3.21 says point blank that uh, we're going to have a body like the glory that uh, the glorious body that Jesus Christ had after his resurrection. So looking at him gives us a very good idea of what. Uh, a glorified body is all about. Now, what I'd like to do is, in a moment is turn to 1 Corinthians 15, which you mentioned, Nathan. We'll have you read that passage. And then I want us to really get specific about some characteristics of a glorified body so that we can get a better idea even than what we have now of what it's all about. But before we do that, I'd like for us to uh, pause for a moment for a song. 
And we're going to have a song by uh, Jack Hollinsworth of Acts 29 Ministry. And it's a song that has to do with death. It's one of my favorites along that line. It's entitled, Leaving on My Mind. So here is Jack Hollinsworth with Leaving on My Mind. The old house, I'm living in. Is needing repair The windows and the shutters Are letting in the cold air I say to myself I'm gonna fix them If I can ever get to time all I'm getting lately is leaving on my mind. Lately, all I've got is leaving on my mind. Seems it's all. Very soon I'll leave these troubles far behind. Lately I've got leaving, leaving on my mind. Well, I guess I should be looking. For some better place to live I just can't seem to get excited About this world What it can give I couldn't care less If I could buy it all With just a single solitary dime Oh, what good would it do me? I might be leaving any time. Lately, all I've got is leaving on my mind. Seems it's all. I'm thinking of most of the time. Soon and very soon I'll leave these troubles far behind. Lately I've got leaving, leaving on my mind. Yes, lately I've got leaving, leaving on my mind.
Okay, fellows, we have established now that uh, immediately after death, a Christian receives, uh, for the lack of a better term, an intermediate spirit body, that they're with the Lord immediately. They're in heaven worshiping the Lord until the time for Jesus to return. That when He returns in the rapture, He will bring their spirits with Him, resurrect their bodies in a great miracle of resurrection. Uh, uh, after all, that we're talking about the one who spoke and the whole universe came into existence. It's nothing for Him to speak and that body come back into existence, whether it's been eaten by the worms, dust to dust, uh, dissolved in the ocean, cremated, uh, preserved perfectly, uh, whatever. It's going to come back. And He's going to put that spirit together and give them a glorified body. And those of us who are alive will receive a glorified body. Now, Paul tries to define a glorified body. And he does a pretty good job of it. Although when he gets through, you often have more questions than you had before he started. Let's read that segment. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with uh, verse 42, I believe. Mm -hmm. Read it for us, Nathan. Sure thing. 42. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown in perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. Now go ahead. If there is a natural body... Sure. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Okay. Now, I think the first one there is pretty <clears throat> obvious. It is um, sown a perishable body, it's raised imperishable. That means we're going to have immortal bodies. Yep. Absolutely. That we're going to live, they'll never decay, they'll never age, right? What's great for me is I, I always wanted to fly. And you see that Jesus, when He ascends, he, he takes off. Or He just walks through walls and appears in rooms. Can you imagine being able to do that? Be like now, see, my great theological question is, do we get capes when we fly or do we have to fly capeless? <laughs> Well, do you have the answer to that? Only you could come up with that, didn't you? <laughs> well, we have togas. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I've always wanted a cape. It's actually. pretty clear here we're going to have imperishable bodies. But yeah. what does it mean when it says sown in dishonor, raised in glory? What do you think that means? Well, I, when I when I think of that, I think about the deathbed of most people. Oh. Uh, you know, I've been in hospital rooms where people are dying of cancer. You know, the skin is a different color. Often they can no longer communicate. Uh, they're just about half conscious. It's just a very sad, sad thing. And it's, it's, I think Paul may be thinking about how we go down and versus how we come up. Yes. When a man or woman dies, they don't look too glorious. They don't look too powerful. They don't look too strong. Uh, you know, you may have been the coolest dude on the block when you were in your 20s, but when you're in your 80s or 90s and you're on your deathbed, you know, dying of whatever, you don't look too hot. And, uh, and, and that's not just true for sinners, it's true for believers as well. So as we go down, uh, there's a certain element of shame and, and sadness and, and, and uh, dishonor. But on the way up through oh. the resurrection, it's, there's, no, <laughs> there's no shame, there's no dishonor. It's glorious, it's powerful, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Paul is contrasting the going down in death versus the coming up in resurrection. I think you're right on target. Uh, and uh, that it's going to be glorious in the sense that we're going to receive uh, glorified bodies, glorified bodies in the sense that they are perfected bodies. Yeah. Listen to what Isaiah says, Isaiah 35, verse 5. The eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf will be unstopped, the lame will leap like a deer, the tongue of the dumb will shout for joy. All of the problems that we have with our bodies, the afflictions, uh, mm -hmm. uh, handicaps are all going to be taken away. Yeah. And in that regard, I, I, I cry out Maranatha every day because I have a grandson named Jason who um, 
had a very peculiar genetic uh, situation that caused his own body to attack his brain and eat away the frontal lobe of his brain by the time he was three years old. And since that time, he's almost 24 now. He's in a state institution where he's very well cared for, but he, he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know who anybody is. He won't let anybody touch him. Uh, he has to be put to sleep to have a haircut. And I yearn for that day when the Lord will touch his mind. He will be right. I can sit down. I can talk to Jason. I can tell him how much I love him. I can play with him. I, you know, I I just all of us know people like that and and this is it it's going yeah. to be a glorious thing it's amazing i think if the if the the world if the if the non-believers could ever really grasp how awesome the plan is god has for those that love him they'd come to christ out of sheer selfishness if for no other reason i mean it, it is also amazing. says here it's sown in weakness but raised in power yeah now what does that mean you know nathan what do you think power it's raised in power is that well, we're sons of, of Christ. Christ is willing or to share his power with us. Now, it doesn't mean uh, particularly we become Jesus or become Christ, but we have the abilities that he gives us up there that, that is powerful. It's imperishable. If use the Superman example again. He's, <laughs> he's bulletproof. Well, nothing will hurt us because we are in Christ's hands. So Any other ideas about power? Yeah, I, well, I, I think when I read that, I think of Jesus. You know, when, when he was on the cross, he didn't look very powerful. But when he was standing before the disciples risen from the dead, uh, it was all power. Or when John saw him in the first chapter of Revelation, and he is so glorious and powerful, John falls down like a dead man. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just sheer power. I wonder and if I it might also have... Is, oh, I'm sorry. Part of that is going to apply to us. That we, yeah. likewise, will be raised in a powerful state. I'm wondering if it, if it also refers to a spiritual sense, and that we will no longer be... Uh, we will have complete power over sin. That yeah. we will no longer be enslaved to sin as we are now. We're completed. We've yeah. well, finally gotten rid of the sin nature. The thing, and yeah, the, the thing that excites me yeah. is what will be missing, is, along with what will be, we will have in that state, and what will be missing will be the sin nature. Yeah. And, and, and I won't be struggling with that all the That's time. That's right. You know, even you know? today, I, I still got the Holy Spirit pulling me this way, and yeah. the body pulling me that way, and I'm fighting that battle all the time. And I'll be so glad when that battle's over. You with. know, I've had times where I've felt so in the Spirit and God's move in my life, <laughs> and then some fleshly thought or, or you get angry and you think, man, that shouldn't happen. You know, this is not supposed to happen. And yeah. yet it's the, it's it the also says we, we, we're sown a natural body, but raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's a spiritual body. And, and I think this is where people often get the idea that we're going to be some sort of ethereal spirits. Yeah. What, what, do you, what do you think that means, a spiritual body? Well, I think it will be ultimately spiritual, but it will also be physical. It will be spiritual and physical, but it will be the kind, again, as Jesus, so that he could pass through walls. He could go from one place to another at the speed of thought. So uh, ultimately it is spiritual, but yet it is, it is still also physical. I would hope it also means that we're going to be uh, totally subjected to willingly and happily to the Holy Spirit, yeah. a spirit control body, yeah. I hope. I hope that's what. Well, we don't have much time left, Nathan, so let me just okay. move very quickly. One of the questions, and that is, uh, and we're going to have to handle this quickly, and that is, what about a person who is not a believer? What happens to them when they die? You know, I, I heard a testimony of a, of a fellow that was telling how he had got saved. He'd come from a rough background, kind of a gangster background. He talked about some of his old buddies that had died already, and he, he was trying to be colorful in his language. He said, yeah, they're already crackling and popping in hell right now. Well, you know, that's, that's colorful language. It's just not theologically right. right. There's nobody crackling and popping in hell right now, not the devil, nor Hitler, nor Stalin, or anybody else. When the sinner dies, he is taken to the county jail. 
you know, when a prisoner is arrested, he doesn't go to penitentiary. He goes to the jail. Yeah. He waits his trial. When a sinner dies, he goes to jail. That is, he goes to a place where he will wait for his trial, which is the great white throne judgment. Yeah. That place is called Hades, and that's where he will wait. Now, it's no picnic, even yeah. in Hades. It's called know? torment. It's torment, yeah. and it's, it's miserable, but it's going to get worse yet. Yeah. As he goes into the lake of fire. Okay, so that when an unbeliever dies, his spirit goes to this place called Hades, to this compartment called torment. But one day, he's going to be resurrected also. When does that happen, Nathan? The end of the millennial reign of Christ, the okay. thousand-year reign of Christ, when it's the final judgment. At which point there is a judgment called the great white throne judgment. What is he judged of? Their works. And what is the result? Well, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 makes it clear that man's works aren't good enough to get them saved. Only Christ can get them saved. So what must a person do to be saved, Dennis? Well, what a person must do is put their faith in Christ. The Bible makes it clear that there is no way that by good works and good deeds and trying to be a nice little boy or girl, you're going to be justified in the sight of God. It is a simple act of faith in Christ. We do it through a simple prayer where we receive Christ and make Him our Savior by faith. Thank you, Dennis. Folks, that's our program for this week. Until next week, the Lord willing, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.